Welcome to Mindful Elevation, a podcast that explores the healing powers of energy psychology and mindfulness. My name is Rachel Tallheimer, and I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker with Elevate Counseling. Join me in my conversations with some incredible guests to see how energy psychology has impacted their lives and how you can use it to improve yours. Not only are these guests my friends and colleagues, but they're clinical professionals with expertise in their fields. These conversations are packed with laughter, honesty, and tons of insight into energy psychology. Feel free to listen at your own pace and in your own space. Thanks for tapping in to today's conversation. Welcome back to Mindful Elevation. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Anton Feinberg. He is the brilliant creator behind the theme music that sets the tone of this podcast. You can hear his beautiful creation at the intro and the outro, and now I get to finally talk to him. Anton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me and the listeners a little bit about you. Who are you? Well, I am an artist. I'm a musician, a creator. I'm a child of God. I am a Russian-American. I was born in in Russia, and then we moved to the Boston area in the mid-90s. And after graduating from high school in Boston, I eventually, after some wandering around, I ended up at Oberlin, where I got my bachelor's degree in in music, and then eventually went on to the University of Arizona in Tucson Mm -hmm. to get the master's and the doctorate. And I finished that in 2016. At that point, I had uh, discerned a call to ordained ministry, and I went to seminary in the Bay Area in Berkeley at the Graduate Theological Union. Uh, Then I came back to Boston for the pandemic because the family was here. And eventually, I ended up uh, being a organist and pianist at the Brockton Christ Congregational Church. And there I met Leanne, and here we are. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Tell me how you got involved with music. I was sort of born into it. There's no doubt about that. My my great-grandfather was a concert pianist, and he passed that on to his daughter, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother. So everybody in the family played an instrument, mostly piano. And so I really grew up in a family of... They were not musicians. They were not professional musicians, but there was a lot of music. Uh, there was a lot of music, a lot of classical music all around. And so I started playing piano at, at, a, at a very early age, around five, and played sort of casually until, until we moved to the States. And then I had a teacher actually in Stoughton, a wonderful teacher, who really pushed me. And, and that, that period between nine and about 13 and 14, I played a lot. I improved a lot, and my, my musicianship really took off at that point. And then I was a teenager, so I quit. Right. I, I didn't play, and I didn't play for, for five years and actually had no intention of, of being a musician. I was wow. going to go into psychology. Um, <laughs> but after some wandering around, I found my way back to it and then ended up at, at Oberlin, and then eventually the one thing sort of led to another. And, and actually, as I, I mentioned my, my seminary experience, that was another 
break, another phase in, in my journey where I thought I would be doing something totally different. And it was, it was not really my intention to have much to do with music at, at that time. It's just not where my head was, you know. It was very much in becoming a priest. And then after that, well, I ended up not becoming a priest, uh, <laughs> at, least in the, in, at least in the formal sense of the word. Actually, you know what a hierophant is? I don't. Yeah? Well, it's one of the tarot cards. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And really what it means from hieros, and it's from Greek words, and it really means one who points out the sacred. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, and so, you know, I think, I think ultimately a priest is, is a person that both holds and points out the sacred. My, my role in general, if it can be, if it can be characterized by, by any drive, it's really that drive. So, so whether, whether it's happening through sounds or through words, that's really the goal is, is, to, is to point to the sacred and to, to facilitate a meeting with the transcendent. That is beautiful. Yeah, thank you. You know what's interesting is you mentioned three different factors that sort of all tie together. So obviously you mentioned music. Right. You mentioned psychology. Right. <laughs> and right. you mentioned spirituality. Yes. So I, I wanted to sort of go off of that. What do you think the connection is between music and spirituality? Well, music is undoubtedly a vehicle for spirituality, I'm not sure that I can define spirituality. No, that's, that's, that's not. The, that, that's, that's the thing, is that it's, it's kind of an elusive, it's an elusive concept. I think it's one of those things that we know generally what we mean when we speak about it, but I myself am hard-pressed to define it in, in a sort of graspable way. It, just like a lot of the more elusive, abstract words and concepts, it's been overused and perhaps occasionally misapplied. But to me, it has something to do with one's connection to the divine. Mm. Music allows one to connect to one's spirituality. Sometimes I think it's sort of the centerpiece, or maybe it's the easiest way, the most direct way. I think that in general, people would agree that, that music in its abstract power is the most effective and affecting of, of the art forms. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we all respond to different art forms differently. I, I myself, for example, am not very sensitive to the visual arts, and, and some people really are. I mean, they're really moved. They're really transported. I find that difficult, but, but that's my own limitation, not, not their limitation. Whereas I think music moves all of us, mm -hmm. and people consume different music, and they consume it differently, but the fact that it's the the fabric of our lives and it's and it's all around us you know one could say for better and for worse but i think it's mostly for better i mean yeah it, it sometimes it not all music is created equal uh, <laughs> and it's not all positive i think but in general what i tell my piano students is that any time spent at the piano is time well spent it's all beautiful time it's all honorable time it's a positive thing to do i don't think that people's interaction with music can be negative. You know, it's funny because I've actually done some research. Tell me. And the studies show that people who are exposed to music as a child actually rate their ability to learn new things as excellent or very good 18% more than 
people who were not exposed to music as as a kid. So it right. it really ties in there. And on top of it, adults with no early music exposure, but who currently engage in some music appreciation, show above average mental well-being scores. Mm. So it's really incredible how music can change someone's life. Yes, yes. Of course. And there, there are a couple things I, I could say to that. I mean, for one thing, there is no doubt that studying music made me, made me smarter. That is beyond a doubt, especially piano, because it's so difficult in, in the sense of information processing. Mm-hmm. And actually, the reason that pianists tend to be more neurotic is because they spend more time alone because the piano is harder. Mm. And, and it's, it's not harder in the sense of making a sound, because actually making a sound on a violin is significantly harder. That, that's why it's so discouraging for children to learn string instruments. Whereas on a piano, you know, just press the note and right. at least the sound is there. But having two melodic lines or having two parts going on simultaneously, it's exponentially harder. So it's not just twice as hard as having one line. It's many more times as hard. And so the sort of skills that one has to acquire really carry through to the rest of life, a pattern recognition and chunking and memory development yeah. and integration of the mental and the physical. That is very, very important. And that, that's why I really encourage everyone to play something, yes. to play an instrument. At the most basic, I think percussion instruments are just perfect. Not only do you have an interaction with a physical object, but you learn a lot about your body and how there's an integration, a relationship between the physical and the mental, and then also the spiritual. I, mm-hmm. I suppose that, you know, at the... <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Maybe it's it's that the spiritual, at least consciously, doesn't come in until the higher levels of music mastery. But it, again, it's it's the conscious part of it, because subconsciously, unconsciously, it's always there. It's always present. Mm-hmm. One's relationship to music and one's relationship to, to oneself playing music and the instrument. And yeah. So awesome. wait, that was the first thing, right? That was, that was the first <laughs> thing. We'll circle back to the second thing. We will yeah. circle back. Yeah. Le- Leanne had mentioned that with your music, she feels it. You channel it. Yeah. You are one with your music. Do you yeah. mind sharing a bit more about that? Yeah. 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 Of course. Of course. Well, you know, for one thing, my music, I, is it my music? Ooh, I, I don't know that it's my music. I mean, I, I, I do think that the spirit goes through me and this is how it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. There is an aspect of, of technique in the sense that once technique is mastered, that's when the freedom comes. That is for sure. That's a fact. And the way to get to that is is by hard work. So there is something that, that I will not disown. I mean, I, I will own the work that I put in, even though the fact that I was able to do that has so much to do with not me, with other people and circumstances. And the, the, the point is that a lot of this was given to me. It was gifted to me, including including the, the talent itself, including the, the musical ability itself. It was given to me freely. I now seek to share it. There's really a lot. I mean, I can go on and on about my subjective experience as as a creator, as as a musician, as an artist uh, creating this music. I'm always curious about how it's perceived by other people, because that's something that I am not privy to. I don't know and I can't know how it's perceived by other people. For me, it's it's really an ecstatic experience. I mean, I really do go into a zone 
and the quality of my music is directly proportional to how effectively and quickly I can get into that zone. Mm -hmm. And that's a psychological thing. That's not a spiritual thing. That's like a state of mind, how I'm feeling, where I am, the atmosphere. Lighting is very, very important. I like low light. And if I can create a comfortable atmosphere, an atmosphere where where I am comfortable, psychologically comfortable, Mm -hmm. that's when the best music comes out. The truth is that I will never be able to play for another person what I can play for when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. My most ecstatic experiences in music making are definitely when I'm alone. Even when I'm playing for other people, I I sometimes have this a little bit of a guilty feeling about how self-indulgent this is because I'm really indulging in it. You know, and other people, I don't know what their experience is. The music that goes through me is (laughs) very particular. I mean, it has a particular aesthetic. And that aesthetic was informed by very concrete things, by minimalism, by classical music, by electronic music. Those things came from the outside. And then they were all combined and then filtered through this experience, this soul, this imagination, this body, Mm -hmm. in this time, in, in a particular place. It's really like the music that you create is like your language. Like it's a reflection of you. Yes, I think that's totally accurate. It is. I really want to talk about how music connects to healing. Mm -hmm. You know, we mentioned the spirituality. We briefly mentioned the psychology and the science behind it. The whole point of this podcast, and honestly, my career is healing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So how do you feel music connects with healing? Not only in our listeners' lives, but in your own. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good question because I, I don't I don't think that music will heal a person of their psychological issues. It just in and of itself. Sure. But it does allow one to connect to something that can. It allows us to connect to our higher selves and a higher self. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like the the efficacy of prayer, for example. How efficacious is prayer? I think the conclusion is It is, but not in the way that we think. Sure. Right? So praying for something doesn't necessarily lead to that thing happening, but it does create an opening. And more importantly, it creates a dialogue. I think it's much the same with music, is is that it creates this dialogue and it creates a connection between you and not you, you and beyond you, you and, and someone else. And of course, a lot of music is experienced in a shared setting. But, you know, with music that has words, for example, Mm -hmm. even though words sometimes are elusive and abstract, they're still as signs and symbols, they still point to something that we share in our experience. When we hear a pop song or a rock song, we can identify with the sentiment and the message of the words. Mm -hmm. With, With instrumental music, it's different because there isn't that dimension that's concrete. It really is about mood. I'm on the same page for sure, about the energy in the sense that all energy, it's all dynamic. Our relationships are about sharing energy. Our mental state is about different combinations of energies, positive and and negative, too much or not enough. Mm -hmm. I think that's often the case. A good friend of mine does does sound healing. And so that has taken on a particular shape and a particular form. I mean, the practice of sound healing, you know? So it's like when I say sound healing, 
I imagine that you imagine somebody sitting in front of singing bowls, there is some percussion instruments, and it's a soft kind of meditative vibe. The thing about the singing bowls, they correspond to the chakras, the seven notes of the scale, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, they, they correspond to the chakras. So I have one singing bowl that my dear friend gave me, and it's a beautiful crystal thing, and it's a G. And so the G is the crown chakra, it's the last one. Right. And so when I play that singing bowl, I feel it. I mean, I physically feel it in my head and the top of my head. This is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) I just don't know how much of that is a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'm (laughs) because I'm looking for it and I'm aware of it. The the point is, it's not just a self-fulfilling prophecy. (laughs) I, I think that people really do experience it in this way, even if they're not aware of it. The first note, A, the root chakra, feel that in your feet. Hmm. And, and so on as you go up the scale. With the sound healing stuff, it, there's something beyond a simple relaxation because we can learn to relax and there are other ways to get ourselves in a more relaxed state. There is something plus, there is something that is beyond that, that's more than just relaxation. I'm not sure what that is, but I am sure that it exists, that this other dimension exists. And I'm sure music is also an expression of emotion, of Of mood. course, of course, absolutely. The music that goes through me is absolutely a reflection of my mood. And a lot of the time, it's quite dark. I mean, mm. my, my music can be pretty confrontational, maybe. Ooh. Yeah. It's a reflection of my own turmoil. And it is true that the best music comes when I am emotionally aroused, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. And like the more those emotions are elevated, the more effective the music will be. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't always want to get myself in in a state of great psychological turmoil, Mm -hmm. you know, before I play. That's not that's not necessarily where where I want to be. Right. You don't need to torture yourself. I I don't. I don't. Okay, fabulous. Sometimes (laughs) sometimes it happens by itself and sometimes it doesn't. Well, the the thing about improv is that it's inconsistent. You know, mm-hmm. because it, it's so mood dependent. Like I was in the studio the other day recording the beginning of my next album. I thought, yeah, I have eight hours of studio time and the, the engineer will just press record and I'll record. Well, I'm not going to play for eight hours, but, you know, maybe I'll play for five with, with some breaks. Out of that, I will pull out the, the gems. It wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. It wasn't happening. I still had to pay for the studio time. <laughs> and that puts you in turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you find that after you express yourself through your music, do you feel better? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it's very intense, personally emotional experience. Mm -hmm. Actually, I mentioned about the audience. So there is two modes. There is me by myself, and then there's me plus anyone else. Right. And that totally shifts. Completely. They, They are qualitatively different. Right. And, but, but the interesting thing is that it, it genuinely doesn't matter if it's one person or a hundred people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was a hundred thousand people, <laughs> overwhelmingly nervous, yes. but, uh, but, but in general, it, it really, the number of people doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. As yeah. long as you're not alone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But I'll, I'll mention something else too, about the healing. There was a Russian pianist, Richter, one of the best pianists of the 20th century, which means one of the best pianists ever. <laughs> of course, they didn't have recordings before, so we don't know. He said that listening to Bach, and well, obviously for him playing Bach as well, but therapeutic in a hygienic sense. He used the word hygienic, but there is definitely something that's cleansing about it. 
I mean, I feel cleaner. I feel more elevated. Mm-hmm. But but in the right way. I mean, there's there's nothing elitist about that, you know. At the same time, serious music, quote unquote, serious music requires some training, and it requires. Uh, some struggling to get through the early boring stuff because at first it's not going to make sense. Right. And then over time, one gets an appreciation for it and then one really loves it. But for me, it's really the most cleansing is Baroque music or early music. What are we being elevated to, mm-hmm. I suppose, is a question. But again, rather than dwelling too much on where I'm focusing my attention, I think the, the larger point is that you're looking up. Mm. You're being taken up. Or down, if that's where... (laughs) You're being taken somewhere. You're being taken somewhere, (laughs) yeah. But, you know, along the vertical axis, right? right? We we live our lives with other people along the horizontal aspect, but our our spiritual life is lived on the vertical. That's where music comes in. Takes you up or down or, you know, you're on on the lift. You're on the lift. You're on the elevator. You're on the elevator. Do you feel there's a difference in terms of playing versus listening to music? Yeah, well, I mean, we're really talking about the second category. I mean, we're talking about the category that applies to us all. can go on and on, really, about my own experience of it as a producer of music, as a performer of music. But for our purposes, yeah, we do want to make some conclusions about things that, that apply to us all. Any projects or events or anything that you want to give a shameless plug? Sure. So I'm doing these concerts. It's an ongoing series that I'm calling Musica Divina. And that, of course, takes its name from Lectio Divina. I do these concerts at the church. It's a sort of long-form improv, so it's about 50 minutes of continuous music. There are some pre-recorded elements. I use a computer program called Ableton to essentially have a timeline of uh, musical events, and then on top of those, I improvise on the Very piano cool. and on the organ. And then often there are some readings of scripture that I that are recorded. It's going to be continued now at Brockton Christ Congregational Church on Pleasant Street. It's going to be every other Friday, the first and third Friday of the month, six to seven. Nice. Yeah. And lastly, where can we find you? So my artist name is Anton Fine, F-I-N-E. And I have an Instagram. It's AVF, so there's going to be a link in the description of the podcast. And there's a YouTube channel where I've been putting recordings of the Musica Divina. So if you look up Anton Fine, A-N-T-O-N-F-I-N-E on, on YouTube, my channel will come up. So yeah, all the links will be posted in the description. So Great. we will definitely be able to find you. Great, awesome. great. Thank you very much, Rachel. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining yeah. me today. Yeah. Thanks for tapping in to today's conversation. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate Counseling, you can find us online at www.elevate-counseling.com. Follow us on Instagram at elevate underscore counseling underscore services or find us on Facebook at Elevate Counseling Services. For those seeking services in Massachusetts or surrounding areas, call our intake at 508-297-1491. New episodes of Mindful Elevation will be released every last Monday of the month. And keep an eye out for Energy Elevators every Monday, where I will be teaching energy psychology techniques and tools you can implement into your daily practice. 
Until then, keep grounding, keep healing, keep growing. Stay mindful.